Hey, before we get started today, if you like the show, it'd really help us out if you'd leave us a review and rating on iTunes. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter, so follow us. Thanks. I'm Scout Rogers. This is the hard look at haunted houses. This past June, I went on a ghost tour in New Orleans. It was just getting dark when I lined up with around 30 other people on a busy street in the French Quarter. Our guide appeared, dressed as a pirate. That's him talking in the background. He turns and points at a two-story building and proceeds to tell us the unfortunately titled story of the Octoroon Mistress. In the 19th century, Octoroon was a term used to describe people in New Orleans who were one-eighth black. They were not allowed to have formal relationships with the rich creoles of the city. According to the tale, there was a woman named Julie, classified as an Octoroon, who fell in love with a Frenchman. For Julie, being a mistress was not enough. She wanted to marry this Frenchman, have children, have a real life together. The Frenchman clung tightly to the mores of his day, however, and ignored Julie's desires. She persisted, though, and eventually the Frenchman had enough. While entertaining his friends with a card game one December evening, he told Julie that if she stripped naked, climbed to the top of the building, and waited on the roof for him to finish his game, he would marry her. Then he left her, returning to his friends, sure she would not take his proposition seriously. Unfortunately, Julie had it really bad for this guy, so she did as she was told. Naked, on the roof, in the rainy, cold New Orleans December night. After his card game ended, the Frenchman retired for the evening, getting into his warm bed. Turning over in the dark, he reached for Julie. He came up empty. Panicked, he searched the house before remembering their earlier conversation. He raced to the roof, only to find her there, naked, frozen in a corner, dead. Julie's ghost still haunts the building, we were told, walking back and forth across the roof on cold December nights, and can be found giggling throughout the house. For some reason, she's a happy ghost. The guide let us all stand there, soaking this in before moving to the next building. I glanced from face to face, all staring intently. It was like they could see the unnatural, the supernatural, that clung to the house, emanating from every window, every brick. Yeah. Definitely something spooky going on here, their faces said. But what if the tour guide made a mistake? Oh, sorry, wrong building. That building is nothing. This one, behind you though, yes, this is the haunted one, he'd say. Would the crowd turn, dropping their intent gaze from the now absolved house, and direct their sight on the new building? Would they take it in, just as willing to see the supernatural lurking inside as in the previous one? I think so. All that matters is the story. The building is simply a setting for us to project our fears upon. Throughout the rest of the tour, we were shown a multitude of supposedly haunted houses. The Madame Delory House, a haunted bar once owned by legendary pirate John Lafitte. All of them seem creepy when you hear the stories. But take those stories away, and all you're left with is older buildings that maybe make odd noises or are darker than modern homes. Though entertaining for sure, I find it hard to believe that there is any such thing as a real haunted house. Most occurrences can be rationally explained away, and for those that can't, 
while the human brain has not always been the most reliable interpreter of the world. At least, that's how it seems until you hear a story from someone you know. Martin J. Volkman. Martin is my sister's boyfriend. Can you say it normal? And that's yeah. my sister. Jessica Rogers. Is it recording already? Yeah, it's recording. Oh, jeez, I'm sorry. It's okay. They're both from Central Illinois. Are from? From Ashland. It's about 1,200 people. It's pretty small. Very small. At its longest point, it's a mile across. It's just a street, and then you just four blocks down, and there's my house. Ashland is pretty much in the middle of nowhere. Roughly 25 minutes outside of the largest nearby city, the town is surrounded by vast fields of corn and beans and nothing. <laughs> it was the second house built in Ashland. Martin moved out to Ashland in second grade, into a very old Victorian-style house built in the 1860s. Well, at the you know at the time, it, I didn't really know, I didn't know what haunted was. When you pull up, you can see it's an old house. Like you just look at it, and you're like, all right, this is a real old house that I'm about to go into. But his dad did such a good job of remodeling the inside of it, but there's still that creepy vibe to it. Kind of as they as they say on you know all those ghost hunters and whatnot, they say this. But once my dad started working on the house and painting walls and repairing things, is when it really started to started to kind of spur activity. It gives off a, a creepy vibe, it really does, and I didn't really know any of the stories when I first went there. I don't think we ever really talked about it when we first started dating. Spooky things, yeah. Um, there's certain rooms, and each of my siblings, we all have that room that we don't like. You know, for me, it was my parents' bedroom. I don't like the fact that you can look down the hallway and you can't see the room. I remember when we first moved in, my parents had a little glass glass figurine that was on a shelf in their bedroom. It wasn't big, it wasn't small. I mean, it was maybe the size of your hand, but it was just a little glass figurine of an angel. And uh, at where my parents' bedroom was, there's a, there's a long hallway that kind of makes a dog leg left, and then you walk into their door. And then I walked into the bedroom with my mom, and the, that figurine was projected toward us. They found tunnels that went out from the basement out to the yard. There's theories about the house being, you know, being part of um, underground, but I mean, there's no, there's no proof necessarily of that. Yeah, so there's, there's no proof of that necessarily. Yeah, there were coal tunnels supposedly. His dad filled them when they moved in. It's a strong possibility. It's hard to say what exactly it was used for. My dad, as as long as we've lived there, he doesn't believe in any of that. So, he uh, he kind of shuts it down immediately. Anytime a door opens, it's you know the air conditioner unit kicking on or something like that. I just got used to it. You know, I got I got used to hearing the walking. You know, hearing the just hearing the different sounds that the house would make. It just became more of a game. Well, Bob the Builder was a a figurine that I got. It was it was really small maybe only about three inches tall but he you know he would stand on his own and so I would just put him in place you know I'd put him on top of like a little desk or something like that you could be the last one to go to bed and the first one to get up and he would be moved and I mean it wouldn't be far but he would just go from this spot to this spot it's just kind of one of those weird little things but it was it was kind of fun to play with Probably the one that I can that I can remember almost exactly 
was I, I had gotten home from work, I had a late shift, thought I heard something, I put my headphones on the coffee table in the living room, and I say out loud, I hope these headphones don't move. I walk away, go use the bathroom, brush my teeth, get ready to go to bed, come out, headphones are on the floor. We brought Parker out there like three or four months ago and he did not like the house at all. Didn't like it, wouldn't leave the carpet in the TV like front room area, wouldn't walk off of it, stared up at the stairs. He just had a very uneasy feeling. Because even the cats will just randomly stare at something and like they'll follow it with their head and their eyes and nothing's there. I would say for my for my youngest brother, he probably has the the weirdest story out of out of all the stories from the house. His big one was he was he got up in the middle of the night one time to go use the bathroom, and he looks down the staircase, and he sees somebody walking down the stairs that he assumed was my oldest brother, but unfortunately my oldest brother was off at college at the time. So he doesn't know who he saw walking down the stairs, but he saw somebody. I feel it's like one of those things that you just, you get used to it. I think there's just something that you can't explain, but it's hard to, it's hard to say. I mean, nothing's there to harm you. That's the main feeling. It's like, you know, something's there, but it's not going to do anything to you, whatever it is. And then did you think my last apartment was haunted? Yes. My old apartment was a little weird. Weird enough to lead me to make jokes that the place was haunted. But just making these jokes seemed to lead directly to some odd occurrences, which then led to me maybe thinking it was haunted for real. So, four reasons that maybe my apartment was haunted. One, it was old. The neighborhood I lived in was full of classic Chicago bungalows and apartments. Though the unit itself had been remodeled in the past couple of years, the overall building looked the same as it probably had in the 1920s. It had a basement we all shared. This contained cages where we could place our excess stuff, and a painted poster instructing renters to schedule the time and day of week they could use the washing machines. But there hadn't been any machines down there for years. The building also made weird noises, especially in the hallway of my apartment. More than likely, these noises were from my neighbors on the other side of the wall. But what if it wasn't? What if the hallway was a weird access point to a ghost dimension, where everyone who ever lived or died in my apartment is just hanging out? Not likely, but you never know. 2. My dog I adopted my dog a little over a year ago, after I had already lived in the apartment for a few months. My dog does not bark a lot. When she does, it's at things we can both sense. Someone walking outside on the street or the washing machine starting. Every now and then, though, she would tense up in this apartment, staring at what appeared to be thin air, then let out a series of barks and howls. Then she'd go relax, lay down, and act like nothing happened. Three the tennis ball incident. This is the most notable happening involving my dog. I used to take her to daycare a few days of the week while I was at work. One morning, before getting ready to leave for the day, she was playing with this tennis ball. She dropped it as I got her leash, grabbed my things, and we left for the day. 
I locked the door. All was good. Later, when we returned home, the dog and I marched up the stairs, stopping right outside my door. There, positioned, and I really can't stress enough how perfectly positioned this was, was the tennis ball, resting right in the middle of the door frame. Could the ball have somehow rolled out and placed itself right there while I was fumbling with the dog in the morning? I guess, but once again, it was perfectly placed, almost as though someone wanted me to find it. 4. The Cane In my coat closet, in the back, behind a small stack of paint cans, wedged into the corner, rested a cane. I refused to ever touch it. As soon as you do something like that, well, that's when ghosts always get vindictive and extra spooky. If horror movies have taught me one thing, it's that you never openly acknowledge a ghost. So, those were my four reasons for believing my old apartment was haunted. No real proof beyond some odd occurrences, just a story I told myself. A joke that planted this idea that maybe my apartment was inhabited by some supernatural being. The thought actually kind of lingered in my mind. If I heard something, I couldn't help myself. I'd entertain the idea of a ghost before quickly squashing that idea. But it was enough to make me want to know, once and for all, if there was something there. So on my last day in the apartment, after everything had been packed up and loaded into a U-Haul, I went back upstairs. I opened the closet door, looking at the cane, and I took out my phone to try and communicate with the possible ghost. For the first and last time. Just listen closely. Alright, this is Sunday, June 28th. This is the last day in my apartment. I am standing by the closet, which I believe is uh, haunted and has the cane of the ghost. So just before I leave for the last time, is there anything you'd like to say, friendly ghost? I assume that you were mainly taking care of my dog, is that correct? Alright, well I've never contacted you before. It's been great chatting. I hope you have fun with the new tenant. Uh, and they leave you alone. Alright, you have a good day. Did you hear that? Because I didn't. That's the thing about ghosts, though. I've never seen one, or heard one, or sensed one. I've never even heard a story that I didn't think couldn't be rationally explained away. But I wish I would.